Hi, this is K-12 Tech Talk with Chris and Josh. In this episode, Chris and I just came back from the Midwest Tech Talk Security Symposium. We debriefed from that a little bit in our discussions with a couple vendors that were there. We also have Mark for his second interview, and we chat quickly, the three of us chat quickly about transitions when our superintendents leave and the kind of politicalness that goes along with that. We talk quickly about security cameras on buses as well as in buildings, and we mention about Google disabling less secure apps in the next 12 months. Have a listen. This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is K-12 Tech Talk. With Chris and Josh, and we have guest Mark back with us from the East Coast. We'll get we'll chat with him about what all has been happening there in a few minutes. But first, it's we'll a follow up interview. Follow up interview. Oh, interview number two. Um, so quickly, first, let's talk about somethingcool.com and Jeremy. Uh, the weather has turned cold again. He left, left us some nice grilled cheeses and tomato soup again. Thank you, Jeremy. You might need to. Uh, expand your recipe repertoire and maybe something different than grilled cheeses next time. I think he like has, these are like from his garden though. He gr- Like how, the tomatoes? I was going to say, how do you grow grilled cheeses? <laughs> uh, but if it, in all seriousness, if you are in the market for um, all things technology, reach out to Jeremy at somethingcool.com. Give him, uh, let him know that what you're interested in and he can try and help you. They do everything from hardware sales to consulting with cyber uh, initiatives to phishing campaigns to fish your staff to, uh, Chris, you use them for that PII protect module. Yep. Um, they do hosted phone solutions. So they do a little bit of, little bit of everything. They um, just sponsored an esports expo uh, at my school. Uh, they were one of the sponsors. They can sell you gaming machines as well. That's cool. And we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit too, Chris. Your esports uh, event that you had. Sure. Um, so yeah, hit Jeremy up at somethingcool.com. Uh, it has been a few weeks, so we were at the Midwest Tech Talk Cybersecurity Symposium a few weeks ago. We did a quick hit. We interviewed Ryan from Provision and, um, oh my gosh, Chris, Chris from Aruba. Um, they had some pretty good insight as being vendors at those types of events. And yeah, I listened to the episode, though you edited quite a bit out. No, I didn't. Like when you guys were fighting on the floor? Oh, that wasn't a fight. It, we hadn't seen each other in a while. That was just hugs. It was tense. Yeah, whatever. No, I'm I'm appreciative to. We'll just we'll just talk about Aruba real quick. Um, I'm appreciative to to Aruba right now because my six thirty fives are at well, and I'm appreciative of Provision Data Solutions as well because <clears throat> my six thirty fives that have been subbed out for my for the five fifteens that I had ordered, um, they are at Provision and Derek has inventoried them. Slap some, some label to, labels on them. Got them all imported into my Aruba Central 
uh, instance, and they are coming out in a few weeks to deploy these bad boys. And I am so. Do you pay them to hang those APs, or do you get on the ladder and do that yourself, Josh? No, that was all part install was included in that bid. So Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll I'll help them, and I'm going to make my kid go help too. I do see you as a guy that would not get on the ladder and do it yourself. What are you saying? I'm not Corey. I mean, I'll get on the ladder. I won't get on a super tall ladder. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to help them. We're going to go around the building and take those 215s down and put up the 635s and, and get away with it. I so, yeah, we're, I'm super excited to have those guys in the house on uh, in a couple weeks. So let's talk to Mark. Mark's, Mark's ready to leave. He's like, okay, these guys asked me to come on. Mark from Boston back not, in the house. They're not there talking we, to me. There we go again. Uh, so, Mark, what have you been up to? It's been, shoot, man, over a month since we talked to you. I'm sure the world has uh, shifted in Boston or in the East Coast. And to be, I mean, little side note, Mark and I have an email relationship. So oh, really? Although you and Mark haven't been talking. No. Mark and I, we've gotten pretty close. We have? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Mark? How's Boston? Uh, it's good. Uh, let's see. Since we last talked, um, we had a very big holiday in Boston last week. Uh, March seventeenth. I mean that that falls in the same time, but in Boston, March seventeenth is evacuation day, uh, which is the holiday that we celebrate when the British evacuated Boston years oh, ago. S- Seriously, it's like a yeah. Well, that's it cool. Fall, it falls on March seventeenth every year, uh, and it has been a city holiday for years. We used to actually have the day off. Kids would. You know, they would stay home from school. Um, there's also a parade around that time of year, like a green thing. I don't know. I think it was St. Patrick's real? Day. No, this is real. Yeah, no. We, would. We instead of celebrating St. Patrick's Day, we celebrate Evacuation Day. That's, which, I have never heard of that. No, I think, I think it's really like years ago, Boston politicians, like they really wanted to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but they didn't want to say it. So they like dug through the history books and found a holiday to celebrate. And so. Wow. It is evacuation day. Wikipedia checks out. That's right. That's right. So do you guys, like, you don't have school those days, or? Um, No, they just practice the drills. (laughs) (laughs) No, we do do now. Up until maybe it was like three or four years ago, we actually had the day off of work and and everything. So to celebrate the British leaving Boston, that was really what it was all about. Interesting. Yeah, that... um, we were chatting beforehand. Both of us uh, are, you know, our superintendents have announced that they're leaving at the end of this year. So yep. Josh and I, so getting ready for that and uh, and going through a, a superintendent search is is uh, so, quite the experience. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. Ours, we've already filled ours with an internal candidate. My the person that I currently report report to will be the superintendent come July one. Um, which is a good thing. I'm I'm super excited for her and, and um, what that means for the district. She's been with us for um, over 10 years, so she has a history of the district. And, and I think we'll continue what, what we've been doing successfully over the last several years. But both of you guys have been through superintendent. Well, Mark, you're getting ready to go through one. Chris, mm-hmm. you've been through, what, two superintendent changes in the last couple of years. How yeah. are you guys typically included in that process like those interviews and stuff like that how's that how's that worked out in the past for us it's it's a very public process so there's a committee that's established uh they interview the community they interview principals and students and everything and then they uh 
privately they they select three candidates and then they the, the final three candidates will interview uh publicly and then they'll the school committee will choose the final candidate at the end so it's a very very formal and structured process and public right and, and public yeah yeah so ultimately you're i guess the committee makes a recommendation to your school board and the, the board makes that call yeah i think that's most places do that committee. I expect that when we backfill this assistant superintendent position, I expect that something similar to happen. Chris, is that how you guys went through that process? Yeah, last time I was thinking about it, I think it got down to a top three. Um, and those uh, those candidates came to the tech department and hung out with us for a few minutes. Uh, I remember I judged harshly on the handshake. <laughs> Uh, there was one guy that was a very like loose, flimsy handshake, and like he left. Nope. I was like, he's nope. not the one. No. Um, so, I mean, that was pretty much the extent, though, of my involvement was a pretty <laughs> quick meeting and a handshake. We showed off a server cabinet like it was cool, uh, just to <laughs> see what they would say back. Uh, but, but that 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 was really it. And I'm thinking about the previous time that was like an in-house move. So that was kind of done differently um than than the last one interesting so yeah it this will be my first superintendent change um last year we had an assistant or more or less cfo slash accounting person change so that didn't directly impact me i i used to report to, to him but um when he left i was reporting to some someone else so it'll be interesting to see this this change, I've already told my current boss, who will be superintendent next year, I've already told her that I, I intend to continue to report to her. I don't want to report to anyone new. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if that relationship stays or if I'll go to the assistant, back to the curriculum and learning person. Um, we just had a uh, board meeting. And, you know, you get into these uh, board meetings now as we're getting closer to summer and stuff and lots of position changes and people go to different school districts and a whole bit lots of new you start to see new names of people that are going to come in it reminded me we were talking about today actually about i don't like change i don't like when those above me or those that i would say are beside me you know just the heads of departments or, or or buildings when those people change um it makes me feel old for one when I look at the list of people that work at my school and I came uh, before them. Yeah. But then we were talking about it hurts sometimes. And it, again, it just depends, but like initiatives and like some of that where, where you, when new people come in, then you have to say these whole conversations again. And like they're coming in and they're super excited and they want to try something. So the people that didn't get their way before they bring that stuff up again, which is not necessarily bad, but you have to rehash all over again and go through some of these same rough conversations and same, uh, that idea was a bad idea in the past because of right. this. Uh, I don't look forward to all that. We were talking today about this technology thing. Uh, that was probably three years ago, four years ago with cybersecurity stuff. And I was getting good traction and then it went away. And then a new person came. I was getting traction and then it went away. Uh, I don't look forward to that. Like that's my thing with you, Josh, I guess I would say is, I mean, you, you, you would hope that your current uh, boss passes along everything right. that's pending and stuck in the queue. Right. 
so that you yep. can start over. And and Mark, I see you shaking your head. What you've I assume you've lived that kind of experience where you're you're going back and rehashing some of those old battles or old initiatives that were deemed a bad idea four years ago and now all of a sudden they're back up again. Yeah, I mean I think I, I think the hard part is is not necessarily rehashing old stuff, but it's it's handling all the old stuff and the new things on top of that. So you get new department heads and new superintendent. They all come in with new initiatives. Uh, and you're like, so do I stop doing what the old person <laughs> did and start the new stuff? Do we do both at the same time? Yeah. So I and, mean, this and is... heaven forbid if they're, they're competing, you know, right. opposite polar opposite type initiatives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this will be my, I think sixth superintendent. So <laughs> Oh my gosh! And how long have you been there? Uh, that's five six, or six years. Are you kidding me? You've had <laughs> no six? in in not not six but nine years. Yeah, ten wow. years. That's bad. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Wow. But but two. Let's talk about that landscape too. Chris and I are in relatively rural schools in the middle of Missouri. I mean, middle. We're yeah. on the eastern yeah. side, but whatever. Um, kind of in the woods school districts where you're you're a completely different animal uh your major metropolitan area you know your name it's the same name as the city you're in um and i imagine that carries a lot of it, it draws a lot of attention but with that you can probably recruit grade a superintendents that are willing to come to boston public is is that what you see or no? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> the last thing I'm going to do is say, "Oh no, we've had the worst." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, we we definitely we definitely do get really good superintendents. I will say one of the criticisms that I I heard the the radio was was talking about our search, and one of the criticisms is, criticism they had is that the final three candidates of the search are public, and therefore it's hard to get people who are willing to say. You know, oh. they might be a current superintendent, right? And, and then their name is going to be brought out in the papers. Is like, wait a minute, he's applying to be in Boston. So one of the criticisms locally in Massachusetts is that because the final three candidates are public, uh, it actually turns people off from wanting to apply for the for the position. So sure, I. So I don't know how you you've been in, at Boston for nine ten years, Chris. You've been at Central about as long as I've been at, at my district. Um, none of us have jumped anywhere recently. So I know I, we do have some friends that have moved districts. I know when a superintendent does that and goes and interviews, from what I understand, they inform the current, at least board president, hey, I'm, I'm going to go interview at this school district, you know, just as a disclosure respect yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so their board should automatically know do you see that as a as a negative though? You know, okay, that superintendent's going to go interview. Does, is that kind of uh, telegraphing to the board? Hey, I've I've already got one foot. I've been looking. I've already got one foot out the door. Or is that just a you know? Hey, it's an opportunity. I'm I'm going to go interview with this, and you know, it may turn out to be nothing. What do you What do you guys think? I mean, I think. People are going to handle it different ways. Uh, one of the searches that we went through, um, one of the candidates was actually kind of pulled out by the board midway hmm. through. The, it's a basically once once their announcement is being public, the, the final three candidates they got about a week before they actually pick. 
So it's a very, very tight turnaround. And in that process, uh, a couple of superintendents ago, one of the candidates was actually offered a, a raise or, or something by his board, right? And, and so he backed out at the very, very last minute. So it, it does happen. And I think, you know, each community is going to see it in a different way. So coming from the business world or, you know, quote unquote, real world, when you when you when I hopped jobs and I've only done it three times in my 20 plus year career, it was always a secret. Like, you know, right. I, I'm going to yep. interview when I was at the hospital, I was going to go interview at a, at a higher ed facility. I took a vacation day. No one knew where I was going. I didn't answer my phone from any of my coworkers that day. It was it was top secret. And same thing when I left place number two and, and came to my current district. They had no clue. I took a personal day. So it, it's just weird to me at, at our level, at this director level in public ed, I perceive that there's sort of an expectation of not necessarily asking for permission from the superintendent, but a, a, a an informal telling to them saying, hey, I, I'm going to go interview at this other school. You might be getting a phone call. Is that what you guys see too at our level? Well, I think... In our area, and it's a little bit like just known, when 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 people apply at other schools, the superintendents kind of do a thing where they talk to each other like, hey, your boy applied over here. Right. They give some heads up. So even if you're trying to be secretive, it ends up being your potential uh, new boss at the new place that is the tip off. So you might as well do the courteous thing and give your boss a heads up because in our area, that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you need to kind of play it both ways, depending on where you're going. So if, if you were, if you're applying for a job, that's kind of a move up, right? You're going to a larger district, you're going for more pay. I mean, I think that's something where it's, it's fine to say to your boss, I'm, I'm looking for a new position. This is a big career move for me. This is good for my, my family. You can't argue with that. Right. If you're looking to kind of take a lateral step to a comparable district, comparable pay, that kind of sends a message of like, I'm, I'm leaving. Like I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Something's not healthy here and I'm looking for a, a reason to leave. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. I, I, yeah, I could absolutely see that. It, it's just, you know, it, it was weird to me about as, I have another story about that too. It, it, it's just weird to me telling your current employer, hey, I'm I'm going to, to this other place this afternoon to go interview. It, it that's just a weird a weird feeling. Um, right after I got my job at at my district, I did a phone interview because we had purchased some Chromebooks. I did a phone interview with the local newspaper. Now we're talking a newspaper that has a circulation of like I don't know four thousand homes. It, it it's a small our just our county. It's a very small newspaper leader. If you're listening, we, I love you. Don't take that as a as a bash. <laughs> um, you're you're a great paper. Um, but it, it was just funny during that interview, the last question the reporter asked me was, and what's your salary? And, and ne- not being in the public field, you know, the, the, the government entity or public entity realm before, that really caught me off guard. And, you know, I told him because I knew it was public information or whatever. And I went and told my superintendent afterwards, he goes, oh, yeah, welcome to public ed. Your salary is public information now. It, it's just... It, it was a weird, you know, that paradigm shift. There are some different rules in in public ed that just don't happen in the private sector of things. How, how public is that information in your community? Because every year our local newspaper publishes a spreadsheet of everyone's salaries. Yeah. So 
Mark, if you listen to our interview with Josh Renaud um, a few weeks ago, the post yeah, this article. What's up with that, Mark? You um, should this answer already. I, so, I, I did. Did so you listen to him? He he is the reporter at the Post Dispatch in St. Louis that crawls Desi's website because Desi right. apparently publishes that salary information. Well, yeah. then the Post Dispatch makes a searchable database of that all of that yeah, information. Yeah, it's like nice and easy. And like you can you can search for any any teacher in in the state of Missouri, and if you know how to do it, depending on how our jobs are classified, we don't always show up. So you kind of have to look in another place. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, I'm out there searchable. My salary is public information. Um, what do you make, Josh? Uh, enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, 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 that paradigm shift or that shift coming to public ed or public entities was, was interesting. Um, any earth shattering, any, any uh, new initiatives, Mark, that you've undertaken in the last month and a half since we've last talked? Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting talking about new initiatives for the, you know, you know, you're going to have a, a superintendent transition. Part of it is like, what are you shoring up versus what do you kind of get ready for new stuff? But um, we are getting ready for a desk. We also call our state board of education DESI. So we're getting ready for a DESI review in the next couple of weeks. So doing a lot of stuff around that um, and then starting to explore security cameras. There's been actually a lot of conversation with Massachusetts around uh, what everybody's doing. And so we're looking at different models this spring, we're going to be doing a pilot of different, uh, different types, you know, on-prem, um, hybrid cloud, and then fully cloud version. So that I'm, I'm kind of excited about, and I think it's, it's going to be a, uh, kind of a fun project to, to get into. Get involved hey Josh, in. what, what was that, the class at the security symposium that I almost fell asleep and it was the last class of the day. A vigilant. Those cameras are awesome. Yeah. They're, yeah, so we have some of the That's new... what you should check out, Mark. Yeah, are you, have you looked at a Vigilon? They're I have owned, not, no. They're owned by Motorola now. We have um, a Vigilon DVRs in each of our buildings, and the newest software version coupled with the newest cameras is absolutely amazing. Like, you can, you can look at recorded video, find your... I could find Chris in my recorded video. He's wearing a red shirt... I could literally track him, tell the system, follow this guy, and mm. it will track him from camera to camera to camera to camera. It, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. And it's all on the server or the storage is all on-prem? Yeah, the stuff we have is, yes. I don't you know. Can, they have cloud as well, though. Oh, do they really? Yeah. So, so at the at the security symposium, uh, random side story, the schedule that that I built that I shared with the committee that like Josh is on, it had, it was a one day shot and the last two hours were pretty late into the day and they were nothing but vendor showcases, Mm -hmm. but attendees know like, and vendors know we do that on purpose because we, nobody likes to walk in and it ends up like, Oh, security cameras. Sweet. We're going to learn about, you know, the foundational stuff about security cameras and, and technical stuff. Then you walk in and then it's some company just pitching their solution. Yeah. So we jam pack them all into the end of the day. Well, it was like a late day. It's like five o'clock on a Friday. Yeah, five. Yeah. It's like terrible. <laughs> I presented that. I emailed the committee. Like I know it looks bad on paper, but I want the committee to look at it. And like, they need to tell me if it's a, if it is a terrible idea or not. Everybody acted like it was a great idea. I knew it wasn't a great idea. But, but the committee passed it. And then we go in real life. 
It's a terrible idea. <laughs> Nobody wants to sit in a vendor showcase from 5 to 6 p.m. So then it's pretty much, I mean, there's some people there, but it's pretty much just the planning committee in these last sessions. So we're just trying to put butts in seats. So I'm sitting at this, what is it again? I keep a vigil on. I'm asleep because I've had a long day. And I'm telling you, Mark, those cameras were great. Yeah, they they do have very, very nice cameras. And their software is very nice. It can be kind of pricey at times. um, But it it is a very solid product. And they're not sponsoring this episode by any means. Um, We have, uh, what is it, uh... Dahua, Dahoy, Dawa, Dawa, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Dawa cameras? Shoot, hold on. Oh yeah. My goodness. Can I ask you who so who runs who runs security cameras in your district? Because I've I've talked to a lot of districts <laughs> and it's it is all tech department. Is there like what's the involvement of security or building facilities? Is it strictly tech? Pretty much. Work? Yeah, pretty much. We um, we get the contracts to get the cameras installed or get the upgrades installed. Um, we maintain it. We we maintain the user accounts for our SROs, building admins. If they want to export a video, they can export the video, but they never remember how. So mm-hmm. they they come to us to export the videos. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty much on us. And so if a if a principal says, "Hey, I got a problem on this side of the building." I need a ca- I need a new camera installed in there. Is that your decision? Is that the SROs? No, it's it's pretty much their decision. I mean, if they if they decide they have a blind spot in a in a spot, then I mean we got to address it. The issue has come in one cost, um, just because between every between the license and the camera and the ins- you know it it, mm. it adds up quickly, um, and then also. Some of our systems are older; they still have analog cameras on them, so we got to be careful on why the license, licensing with a Vigilon can be a very sticky point. Yeah. Um, you know, you're looking at camera systems. Has anyone mentioned this has come up in discussion in a uh, forum that that we're in? Cameras in classrooms. What's what's you guys' reaction to that? Have your districts talked about that? Have has someone mentioned that, and then someone freak out about it? Um, I mentioned it years ago, and looked. People looked at me like I had three heads. Like it was a absolute non-negotiable. We're not doing that kind of conversation. Um, have you guys had anything similar? We uh, so at a previous school district, we had a we had like those rooms. I don't know what you would call them, like behavioral students or uh, students that need to be removed from the regular classroom to get put in, and kind of like a it's not a padded walls room, but it's well, like, like a, cool a timeout down. room or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Cool down. Uh, yeah. So we, I was, we were supposed to put cameras in there that had audio as well. Uh, but I know like years later, that room got called out by somebody that like, Hey, you can't, you can't do that. That's an invasion of privacy and, and the whole mm. bit. Uh, so whereas it was put in for the, to protect the student, I mean, cause the whole point of it and it's at, 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 at its root was like, there's an adult watching them. Uh, but sometimes the student's acting out in violence or whatever. So you're trying to protect the student, protect the right. uh, staff member. That was the point. But then just the same, you'd have some issues that would escalate in there. Uh, where like, well, that shouldn't have been recorded or, you know, that, that whole kind of thing. So, yeah. and to the point of the, the cameras and the uh, who's over them, my big thing for years, 
I think it at all the schools I've worked at the security camera budget, there isn't one. So it comes out of like the building tech budget that I'm over. So I'm having a security camera compete with the money. That's the same as for a smart board or a projector yeah. or a computer. And that shouldn't, I mean, I've argued that forever. Like, why am I, why am I deciding on a classroom tool versus, you know, a security thing for this budget? Like that's completely out of whack. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have uh, any cameras in classrooms. We actually, my office does not run security cameras right now. Um, it's, it is actually run out of the facilities department. Um, but we're trying to build a little coherence around, you know, more people getting more people involved in cameras, but definitely no cameras in classrooms, uh, or, you know, try not to aim cameras at working spaces. Right. Um, so hallways, doorways, entries. Um, and then we work with our local police department on outdoor facilities and cameras. We actually, we had a really unfortunate incident last week. Um, there was a bus of students getting ready to go to a state championship basketball game and a uh, drive-by shooting occurred. And Oh my gosh. Student and a teacher hit. And so now we're, we're getting, you know, ramped up and getting a few more cameras around that facility. So Holy cow. Do you have cameras on all your buses? We do. That was a controversy when we first installed it. We actually had to disable the microphone. So it's just video. But yes, really? cameras on the bikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. We why. did, uh, and this is years and years ago, and I thought it was a good move. Uh, one of the companies that we worked with for camera placement, he was a retired police officer slash detective. So it wasn't like tech guy being like, yeah, we should put a camera here. Right. The guy yeah. that he, he would say like, well, what, what incidents happen here typically, you know, what are we trying to figure out here? Why would we put a camera here? Uh, and camera specs and camera placement really change uh, because of someone that knows what they're talking about having input. Yeah. I can as see opposed it. to tech guy, just running cable. Well, you know, there's a big difference in like the guys that they, they show up and all they want to do is count how many feet the cable runs going to be versus this guy's asking questions about, well, what kind of after school activities take place here and that, you know, that, that kind, right. of, kind, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah and you're going to, you're going to install the camera where it's, I, I hate to say cheapest, but where you don't have to run as much cable or there's an entry point already. Whereas the security expert's going to know exactly where he wants the camera pointed. So, yeah. Chris, you want to talk about Pondurance real quick? Well, sure. Pondurance, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, we've been learning all about them. They attended, sponsored the Midwest Tech Talk Security Symposium. Uh, they uh, have a managed detection and response for dummies book. And I'm going to post a link to that uh, in the podcast description. Uh, they gave away some physical copies at the uh, security symposium. Uh, but that's what it is. It's like a legit book. They're trying to break down some complex topics. When you hear that phrase, if that's like a new thing for you, uh, manage detection and response. Uh, they wrote a book to try to help uh, you out and have some good discussion uh, with others and about that as you're trying to get that into your school district. So check out Pondurance, pondurance.com. If you get like a demo from them or if you contact them, if you would mention us, that would be sweet. Yeah. Pondurance.com. Go visit Pondurance and let them know that we sent sent you. Um, did you guys get this notice for, uh, from Google about their less secure apps uh, being turned off May 30th of 2022 uh, for non-workspace accounts? And then at the very bottom in very small type, it says, 
it for workspace accounts are going to turn it off May of 2023. Um, you guys, you didn't get that email. I swear did I you, got this in an email, but I didn't. I just looked through my mailbox and couldn't. Did find you just it. say less secure apps? Did you use that phrase? Less secure apps. Yep. The, so we, um, I don't know that I got that email, but we have some less secure apps that we use that for. Uh, and for the last several months, like, you know how you have to go in and like say like allow less secure apps, right. uh, it'll randomly get turned back on. Really? Uh, and we found, I don't remember if it was Reddit or what, but we found somebody talking about how Google has been like, like they're messing with that because they're trying to get you to be secure. So we had to do a thing um, like we'll use it. Uh, how can I say it? we'll use it for some IOT devices that don't send out emails constantly, uh, only when things are bad. Oh, okay. uh, so it's kind of like Google is, <clears throat> if if it's not sending an email all the time, it tries to turn that setting back on. So then we had to come up with stuff to make that thing send like a daily email out so that it, it doesn't turn that setting off. Well, there is we a way. to figure out the rhyme and reason the whole bit on, on it. There is a, uh, the fix for that that I would assume they're going to say to do is use this app password um, setting yep. a 16 digit passcode that gives non Google app device permissions to access your Google account. Um, so Google's really going to start pushing this. If you have a uh, non workspace account, this is going to bite you sooner than later. Um, but workspace accounts that kind of reads like they're kicking it into 2023 before they start turning it off. So just be aware that that less secure apps thing is going to be a bigger problem. What if I want to be less secure? Well, then you probably need to find another job. Um, are you are you guys in <laughs> and moves on and moving? Yep, moving <laughs> on. Um, are you guys in that Google Apps Administrators Forum? I, I'm not real sure what it's called. It's it was ran by Google, I think. It was a. Can you cite any of these resources? Yes, I can send like you. Just make it. What do you What do you do all day? So I'm not secure, but you just sit there and read random articles. I do. I read. I read a lot of articles and email. But it. My point is that um, MFA and 2FA came up as a pretty big topic in those emails uh, or in that forum over the last two weeks. Um, I'm curious if you guys are seeing an increase in discussion for MFA among your peers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we were just looking at some insurance documents and it just said MFA multiple times over really? and over again. So MFA is just, it, it seems to be the, the big big topic. I don't know how you guys are doing MFA, but um, everything we see just kind of starts and ends with, do you have MFA enabled for your user accounts? Yeah, it's. I think we're gonna see that big shift here in the next year here in Missouri that it, it'll be because last year the, the questionnaire for cyber insurance said do you do it I think the next year or so it's going to be if you don't do it you're either canceled or you need to figure out how to do it quickly yeah um, I wish they would say like what to do it for like that's well, just that's very like are we talking just google like what are we talking about well I think you could easily say anything with with protected data um, so I get to say yes if I do any? Well, okay, so let's talk about the Missouri questionnaire. I think the Missouri questionnaire this fall, specifically, the question was something like, do you require MFA on remote access of email? Which, I mean, Google is web-based, so it's all remote, right? 
Um, it didn't say anything about sys. It didn't say anything about elevated permissions. But I think the question was worded like remote access of email. So okay. to me, that would be, yes, we're, we're doing that. Um, I just keep thinking I'm going to lock down Google. Then I'm going to move towards locking down Windows. But my sys is still going to be sitting in the cloud well anything on it and i'm like cool guys i mean so i'll i'll just say it looking at you tyler um they have got to come up with a better way to do 2f 2fa or mfa on their student information system the last time i asked they said our rec their recommendation at the time was to turn on 2fa for google and then set up sso from google to tyler and then that way, when you go to Tyler, you're already authenticated with your email and it just lets you in, which in theory is fine. I understand how that works and how that protects you, but it does nothing for the teacher that gets up from her desk. Kid sits down, opens up her email or opens up a browser, goes to sys and it automatically logs in. I, it I didn't take away. It didn't replace the sign in box. Yeah, there is no the... more. There is no more sign in box. It, it SSO is straight in. I, I don't you like still, that. You, you, couldn't you still get to the login box and just use the old username, password, or no? I Does don't think so. Replace, yeah, the replace Google thing the replaced. I'll have to look completely. at it again. Um, the way I understood it was it's it replaces that login, and mm. that's their recommendation for MFA. So um, I, I think sys systems in general need a better way to handle that. Yeah, And it's going to be... I understand why they're not doing it. It's probably expensive. They've got to build something to send that code somehow. And there, I'm sure there's fees associated with that. And, and not all of them are, are hosted in the cloud. You know, like you know, some, some schools host their sys on prem. So, you know, that's, that's another factor to build into that. But once you want from a user perspective, your MFA to be like a sole source, right? So you don't have multiple, types of mfa and that's that's kind of sure. that we have so we have our finance system uses ping uh and everybody all employees when you log in to get your paycheck it's all you have to go through through wow. mfa but then google which is separate then you have google right. two-factor authentication so you you have to set it up twice which is a little bit of a pain in the butt but Conversely, or to the argument there, with Google, unless you're logging in on a Chromebook, it only prompts you for that 2FA the first time you log in on a device, right? Correct. Yep. Because then it remembers you. So, And I, I think that's what helped us with the adoption of 2FA for email so, so well, was that it didn't prompt you every time you log in. Um, it does on Chromebooks and and. Google says that's the intended method or the intended outcome there, but whatever. Um, no, I, there's definitely growth in that 2FA field for all applications. So what's your what's your policy right now? Who has 2FA or MFA? So all of our faculty have it on their email, and then we force it for elevated domain accounts. And I use the term elevated to mean... Anybody that has local admin on a PC that has the ability to install anything has 2FA forced on their account. And that's, that's you're going to laugh, that's four people in my district. Wow. Yeah. That's tech department, right? 
It's me, my two guys, and then one other person. Yeah. We just have two-factor on for Google for uh, those that have a higher risk. Like, we use sys as the determining factor for if we turned on Google two-factor. So if uh, basically secretaries and counselors and principals, uh, those kinds of folks, uh, I guess that's like a year in or so. I asked for all staff, but that's what we landed on for now. So that'll be something that, well, that'll be something that I bring up that uh, this super probably kicks to the next guy and then he won't have any of those conversations uh, in his brain and we'll start all over again. <laughs> who who are you requiring it for, Mark? So we started with the um, highly sensitive departments, IT, finance, HR, and then we slowly started to expand out um, superintendent's office, legal advisor, all those folks. I would... I, I hope no one from my district is listening. I would take advantage of an issue and sure. say like, Hey, the communications office, you just got hit with a phishing attack. We're right. going to turn on someone's targeting you. Let's turn on MFA. Absolutely. Um, and then I, I, I use the Ukraine issue right now to actually push it out to all central office. So we have, uh, we just finished uh, enforcing it for all central office, which was a whole lot easier than I thought. We just said like, Hey, you've got until March 14th to turn it on. Um, after that, you're going to be kicked out of this group. And then here's how you can turn it back on for yourself. So it is in force for all of central office. That's cool. I, I forgot to mention, I did, I am testing, um, PC 2FA or domain 2FA for our HR benefits lady, kind of like the, the supervisor in that office, just to see how well it functions. Um, because I, my goal is my accountant my payroll lady and my benefits lady. I would like to get those three just because the data that they have on their computer is so sensitive yeah. that if, if their computer was compromised, we would be in it, we would have a problem. So I would like to two FA their profiles on their PCs just because of the data that's sto- stored locally. Um, yeah. And that's gone really well for her. So I, I could foresee me expanding that this next year. Chris, um, how about you? Who's two FA in your district? I already answered you, Mark. Where are you right now? <laughs> it, it's getting late. It's 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 nine fifteen out there, Chris. We got to cut him some slack. Um, we actually secretaries the, and counselors and principals, Mark. Sorry, I'm sorry. We we kind of we really haven't talked much on the agenda. So this, I think, this was a good organic. No, here's discussion. some facts. Let's see if this guy's really from Boston. Oh Lord, oh, no. Here we go. The first, I'm and I'm. The fact that I talked and Mark didn't even like uh, like take it in, just I'm, it's okay, Mark. I'm flabbergasted. You know, I, you know I what? do it all the time. My my wife and I were just driving uh, through through a neighboring town a few days ago, and I looked and there was the old the original Dunkin' Donuts, and I said that's the original Dunkins. Oh wow! And uh, and she didn't she didn't care, but <laughs> it was flashback to last episode. Anyway, here we go. The first American lighthouse was born, was built in Boston Harbor in what year, Mark? Was it the can same I, year as evacuation day? Yeah. Can I just say Boston Harbor light and, and then, you know, back no, to 1716. <sighs> These are different questions from the last time. Boston is home to the oldest public what in the U.S.? Everything. Everything <laughs> in Boston is the oldest park. Public. No, we no, no. Don't stop there. We got the oldest public park. We have the oldest public high school. We got the oldest public library. We got everything in Boston is the oldest public everything. Interesting. True or false? 
True. Boston pubs have happy hours. No, no. Really? No happy hours in Loudoun, Massachusetts. No. There is no happy hour. It is illegal in Massachusetts. Wow. Josh is mind blown. That's interesting. All, yeah. Yeah. It, so you know. state law? I mean, that's yeah. a... Wow. Yeah. Huh. What favorite American sweet snack is named Nesco, after? Nesco. Which is the Fig Newton? Yeah. No, the Nes- ne- Nesco, the wafers. Neko. Neko, Neko wafers. Okay. Oh. Not Nesco's. Oh, you didn't wow. get that one right. I think Fig- Mark's really from Cincinnati or Fig something. Newton. You don't, hey, so hold a second. The last time we were here, I said I'm not actually from Boston. That's true. He did. <laughs> that, that, that is true. Oh, well. Okay. Boston has a factory. Um, what kind of factory is it? <laughs> beer it was the first this is like a candy it's dark tootsie roll chocolate first u.s chocolate factory it's okay i think you're i think he's moved on to hershey's yeah you're you're in pennsylvania now yeah what transportation system was the first out of boston i mean like the the trolley system the subway mark come on yeah that's what i was yeah same thing. Oh, you call um, it. <laughs> well, sorry, it's both. It's above ground and underground. The the city's nickname is is Bean Town due to what? Boston baked beans, right? Yeah, Boston beans. Baked beans. All right. Do you that's... like baked beans, Mark? <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're good. <laughs> All right. We, you've 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 ridiculed him enough, Chris. <laughs> All right, Mark, we appreciate you joining us tonight, and uh, we're not sure that you'll want to come back after tonight. Um, we will uh, we'll, we'll have you back, though. Um, thanks for listening. We, got, we, got, we have one more guy. Yeah, and we, our, last two weeks, our last two weeks have been messed up, so we've... We he had to cancel it on that guy. He couldn't do it tonight, so... I, you know, I've I've really enjoyed your guest host. I think you should just keep this up because it's been it's been really fun to listen to. to it's been people. interesting. It, it's been really interesting to see different schools' takes on different things and how really how common everything is. Yeah, we have a the other guy's name is Chris. He's is he from California, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Any Chris? Any closing thoughts? No. All right, Mark, you got Thanks, any closing Mark. thoughts? No, it's been fun again. <laughs> Until the last five minutes. All right, that has been episode 65. We thank you for listening. Give us a email, k12techtalk at gmail.com, and on Twitter, our Twitter handle, k12techtalkpod. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what, if you got a topic you want us to talk about, let us know what it is. If you, uh, I don't know. Want us? Want Mark to come back? Let us know, um, and we'll we'll we might email you back. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Thanks for listening. That was episode sixty-five. See you next week. See you.